Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. All right. Good afternoon, IC Made On. So good to see you guys today. Um, if you are a guest, like Pastor, or one day you're going to be a Pastor Gary. And pastor Gary told you earlier. <laughs> My name is Adam, and I'm one of the pastors at IC Maidan. Uh, and I'm so excited. Uh, just like Gary told you, Pastor Chris and Carrie are coming back next week. So that's going to be awesome. And Gabe, you can't forget about Gabe. He's awesome. We've been missing him. Uh, so they're going to come back. And, you know, I told you last week and probably the week before that, that Pastor Chris was going to start a new series called Fearless. And he is going to do a series called Fearless. Um, however, the You Asked For It series has been so popular. Uh, people have been sending in so many questions that Pastor Chris decided we would continue the You Asked For It series even after this week. So... Yeah, that's exciting. I'm really excited about that. And so listen, if you have more questions or you haven't asked your question yet, uh, you can still do that. Email us, hello at icmadon.com, or you can uh, DM us on Instagram if you use the, the Instagrams. Um, you can do that and send us your question. We'll do our best to get to it, or at least Pastor Chris will. So that's going to be exciting. And last week we talked about uh, three questions. It was pretty good, I thought. We talked about uh, how to be blessed. That was the first question. Uh, the second question, does God call some people to be single forever? That was an awesome question. And then the third question we answered last week was, um, is it okay for Christians to be depressed? And do you have advice uh, for those who are struggling with depression? And so those were great questions. We answered them last week. If, they weren't, if you weren't here and maybe uh, you know, any of those things interests you, you can still go back and listen on the podcast. You can find that on the website or uh, you can download it on iTunes or any podcast app will have it. Uh, so you can feel free to do that. And I am also excited about the message today, the questions that we're going to talk about. Uh, these are three uh, pretty unique questions, and I think uh, that it's going to be a good time. So I'm going to jump right into question number one. I like this question. You ready for it? Is it okay for Christians to have pets? And here's the real question. Or is it a waste of time and money? Now, that's, you know, it's kind of a funny question. Um, and when I read it, I wasn't really sure if, you know, I would, you know, talk about it. Um, but then I got to thinking about that topic and I thought, you know what? The Bible actually has a lot to say uh, about animals and our relationship with them. Uh, has a lot to say about God and his relationship to animals. So I thought this would just be a fun, cool question to answer. So I'm going to talk about that. Is it okay for Christians to have pets or is it a waste of time and money? I think to really understand this question, um, I think you first have to understand the relationship between God and animals. And actually, the Bible has a lot to say about that. Um, we all know, obviously, that God created the animals. 
So he had the idea to create animals, and he designed them. And, you know, they've got all kinds of different functions and, and different things. Uh, but God created the animals. Uh, but it goes beyond that. In fact, the Bible has several things to say. I'm going to read a scripture in Job. This is in chapter 12, verse 7. The Bible says, But ask the beasts, and they will teach you. The birds of the heavens, and they will tell you. Or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? And then this is interesting. In verse 10 he says, In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. In other words, the life of every creature, man, woman, animal, plant, every creature is in the hands of God. He's the one who sustains life. So he gives life to animals. And then in Psalm 50, verse 10, it says, all of the animals of the forest are mine. And this is God speaking. All of the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains. And all the animals of the field are mine. In other words, in this scripture, God is actually taking ownership of the animal kingdom, right? He's saying, listen, all of the animals of the world, they belong to me. They're mine. I own them. Then there's another scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. He says, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns. Why? Because their heavenly, your heavenly Father feeds them. In other words, God not only sustains their life, he doesn't, he doesn't just own them, but he takes care of them. He feeds them. He provides them with what they need to live. He gives them a place to sleep. He gives them a habitat to live in. Now, if you think about all of these things and you think about the idea of, of us having pets, it's, it's actually kind of similar to, to God's role in the animal kingdom. When you have a pet, what do you do? You, you, you give it a place to sleep. You give it food to eat. You make sure it stays alive. You take care of your animal, right? It, it's similar to the role that, that God plays in the animal kingdom as well. The relationship is similar. But then there's this other scripture that I absolutely love. And you may have never heard this. You may not have known this was in the Bible. Uh, but it says this in Proverbs chapter 12. It says, the godly care for their animals. But the wicked are always cruel. Now, that's an interesting scripture to me. The godly. In other words, if, if you're a godly person, if you, if you are, are trying to become like God, to live the way that, that God has intended you, then you will care for your animals. You, you won't treat them harshly. You, you'll care about their health and how they're doing. It says that godly people care for their animals. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not like a, a huge animal activist or anything. I'm not like, you know, trying to save all the animals of the world. Um, but 
But apparently, it is important to God that we take care of our animals, that we don't treat them badly, or that we're not cruel to them. God actually cares about how we care for our animals. Why? Because God cares about the animals. They belong to him. They're his creation. He loves animals. So, godly people care for their animals. Not only that, but then there's the the last question, and and this is really the, the big idea behind this question is, is it a waste? Is it wasteful? Is, is it a waste of our time and our money to have a pet or to take care of an animal? I would say uh, this. Surely, yes, it can, be, it can become a waste of time and money. You could waste too much time and money taking care of your animals, but, but you could also waste too much time and money on entertainment. Or, you know, or, or, or going to the gym. Now, listen, I don't waste any time or money going to the gym because I don't go to the gym. <laughs> I, should, I should go to the gym, um, but I don't go to the gym. But, but going to the gym is healthy, right? I mean, it's a good thing, but you could spend too much time and money going to the gym, Right? And so I, I don't think that just because you could spend too much time and money on your animal doesn't mean that we shouldn't have them. It just means that we should be good stewards of our time and our money. We shouldn't waste the time. And, and to be honest with you, I don't feel personally like having a pet would be a waste of time and money because actually you can, there's, there's actually a lot of benefits behind having a pet or an animal. For instance, I have a dog. Uh, his name's Buddy. And since I've had my dog, I've learned all kinds of things. I, I've learned, I've even learned things about my relationship with God because of my dog. I, I've learned uh, what it feels like to take care of something, right? I've, I've grown in my responsibility or, or it's, you know, it's forced me to become more disciplined. There's actually lots of reasons why having a pet can be really beneficial, to your life. But just like anything, sure, you can waste time and money. Uh, you, you can waste time and money on good things, really. Um, so it doesn't mean that we can't have it. It just means that we should be good stewards of what we do have. So uh, that is how I would answer that question. Is it okay for Christians to have pets? I believe so, and I even think that it can be uh, a helpful thing in your life. Granted, of course, that you can afford it. I would, I would say that, you know, it's, it's wise if you want to get a pet or if you want to get an animal to make sure that you have the time and the money to be responsible for him and to take care of it uh, the way that God apparently calls us to in his word. All right, that's question number one. Now I'm going to move on to question number two. Here it is. How are we as Christians supposed to live in a society and culture that is evil and still maintain our Christian values? Should we let our culture influence us or should we influence our culture? This is a great question. And this is uh, really something that Christians for generations have always struggled with. And I would say this right off the bat, just to answer the last part of that question. Should we let our culture influence us or should we influence our culture? 
uh, Jesus has absolutely called us to influence our culture. Jesus has absolutely encouraged us and called us to influence our world. God, God never calls us to become like the world. He, he says, no, I want you to influence the world. I want you to, to bring what you know about me and change the way that people think, change the way that people feel. God never intended us to be influenced by our world. Why? Because as Christians, we believe that Jesus, Jesus not only created us, but he knows what's best for us. And so we live according to what God's word says. And so as Christians, he doesn't want us to just be influenced by others and, and, and just change what we think and what we believe and how we live. Just because there's a, a group of people around us that, that think and live and act differently. No, he wants us to go into our world and influence them. Show them, hey, there's a better way to live. There, there, there is a way that you can get the most out of life, right? In fact, I was watching... Uh, something this week from, it was actually an interview of a musician um, that I enjoy listening to. His name is Matt Mason. And um, he's actually not a, he's not, from what I know, a Christian, um, at least from his own, his own testimony. He's kind of gotten away from the church. Um, but he shared his testimony, and he shared something interesting, and we're going to watch the video in a minute. Uh, but, but basically, uh, you have Christians who, who do one of two things when it comes to influence. If they're not influencing culture, then, then they will either be influenced by the culture, which means, you know, I, I, I'm a Christian, so I believe this way, and I live this way, and I act this way, and I think this way. Um, but there's this other group of people that I've been with lately, and they've kind of been changing the way that I think, and, and now I think differently, and I live differently, and I act differently, okay? That's someone who's been influenced by the world or by the culture. But if they're not doing that, then there's another group of Christians who would, who would completely reject the world or reject the culture. And so they say, no, I'm going to keep myself from those people so that they don't influence me, right? And so that is actually what's happening in this testimony that I'm going to show you. So let's watch this clip together. That song specifically is about a lot of different things and a lot of different people. It was at a period of my life where I was like, it was about a period of my life when I turned 18 and I moved out and I started to just get in a lot of trouble because, you know, I was raised in church most of my life. And so... There's all these things that I was told not to do and never touch that I was like, I want to do and touch all these things. Uh, and so I did, and I ended up just, you know, getting arrested a bunch and getting hooked on a bunch of drugs. And, like, when that happened, all the people that I thought were my friends in church and just in life in general, instead of reaching out to me and trying to help me, they kind of turned their backs on me and were like, you know, you're a bad influence on us, so leave us alone. Um, and so that's where the lyric, do I make you cringe, comes from. No, you're a bad influence on us. Leave us alone. That is not the Christianity that Jesus left for us. That's not the example that he gave us. Jesus never calls us to cut ourselves off from the world 
so that we aren't going to be influenced with it, as if we're afraid of, of, of the darkness so we stay away. No, Jesus has called us to go into our world, to go into the darkness, to bring the light of Jesus to a lost and broken world. In fact, that's what he says in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, Jesus said, listen, I've given you, I've given you hope. I've given you freedom. I'm the, I've shared the light with you. Now I want you to take that and I want you to go straight toward the darkness. I want you to get in the middle of the darkness and bring hope to people. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus was known for being a friend to sinners. People, when you heard the name of Jesus, people thought, oh, he's, he's that guy. He's a friend to sinners. He's always with sinners. He's always hanging out with, with, with the bad people. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus wants to help them. He wants to show them, hey, man, there's a better. You don't have to keep struggling like that. You don't have to keep living that kind of life. You don't have to keep doing things that are going to destroy you. There's a better way. I want to help you. That's the kind of Christians God has called us to be, Christians who go into our world and influence our culture. So how do you do that? And that's the first part of the question. How do you uh, influence your culture? How do you influence your world without, without letting the world influence you? I, I like to keep it simple. I'd say this. Love God. Love people. Don't compromise. Love God, love people, don't compromise. Love God with all of your heart. Let, let the relationship that you have with God be the thing that you pursue the most in your life, the thing that you give the most attention to in your life. Love God, love people, and not just some people, all people. Love people, look at them and, and, and have compassion on them and say, man, they're in the dark. I want to help them. Love people and then don't compromise. Don't, don't just change all of a sudden what you think and how you feel and what you believe just because there's a, another group of people who, who think and believe differently. Isn't it, if that's what you want to do, then you can, I mean, you could just cha keep changing your whole life because there's lots of different ways to live, lots of different things to think. I mean, don't, don't compromise. Stand on what you believe. Stand on, on, on your own testimony, on what Jesus has done in your life and say, listen, I'm going to go into my world and make a difference. I'm going to go in my world and influence people, help people change their life. That is what God has called us to do. That's question number two. I'm going to move on now to question number three, and this is the one that I want to spend a little bit more time on, 
because uh, for a couple of reasons, this question is a little bit more uh, controversial. I understand that it's a sensitive topic to talk about, especially in public, um, but it is a very important thing for us to talk about, especially as a church family. So this question was also uh, the most popular question that we've had sent to us. And so uh, I'm going to read it for us. Here it is. Number three, what does God think about people who are a part of the LGBTQ community? And as Christians, how are we supposed to treat those who are a part of that community? So this is really two questions. I'm going to answer them one at a time. Uh, the first question, what does God think about people who are a part of the LGBTQ community? Or people that identify as being lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or even questioning their sexual orientation? What does God think about these people? Well, the answer to that question is very simple. He loves them. He loves them. In fact, God loves them just as much as he loves me, just as much as he loves you, and just as much as he loves anyone else outside of this building. He loves them. In fact, Jesus doesn't think differently of them. Jesus doesn't think differently of, of them than he does about me or he does about you or about anyone else in the world. God loves them. In fact, that's exactly what the Bible says in the book of John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, this is how much God loves the world. It doesn't say this is how much God loved uh, some people. It doesn't say this is how much God loved uh, the good people. It doesn't say this is how much God loves uh, people who are going to be Christians. No, it says this is how much God loved the world that he gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling people how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. God loves all people. In fact, the Bible also said God loves all people and wants everyone to know him and to spend eternity with him. Now, does that mean that God loves what these people do or the lifestyle that these people live? No, of course not. The Bible is very clear that that lifestyle, that, that way of living is sinful. Why? Why is it sinful? What does that mean? What is sin? Well, that just means anything that's less than God's best for you. Anything that, that has the potential to rob you of everything that God has for you. That's what sin is. Sin is meant to destroy your life. And that's what it does. And so, so of course, God hates sin. Why? Because God hates anything that has the potential to destroy the people that he loves. Just like a good father would. A 
good father would, would hate anything that could potentially destroy their child's life. So while God might, while God might hate what I do, he loves who I am. And here's why. Because sin is something that I do. It's not someone that I am. Sin is something I do. It is not who I am. They're different. Sin is not your identity. It's something that you do. And that's why God, he, he, he doesn't hate who you are. He hates what you do sometimes, but he loves who you are. In fact, God hates what I do sometimes. There, there are times that I live in a way that is sinful. God hates that. Because he wants to keep, he wants to keep me from things that are meant to destroy me. And so, yes, God hates this, this lifestyle, this way of living, because he hates, he hates sin. He hates anything that will destroy his children. But sin is something I do, not who I am. Now, the second part of this question, as Christians, how are we supposed to treat those who are a part of that community? This is a great question and I think this is also a simple answer. How do we treat them? We love them, and we treat them that way. We love them, and we treat them that way. That's the heart behind what Jesus said in John chapter 3. He said God didn't go through all of the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. He didn't just come to tell you how, how bad you are. We know how bad we are. Why did he come? He says he came to help, to put the world right again. And as Christians, his mission is our mission. God hasn't called us to point out why people are the way they are. He hasn't called us to point out and make people feel bad about their sin. He, he came to help. And that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to love people and to help them. To help show them, hey, there is a better way. There, there is a better way to live life. Sin is robbing you from everything that God has for you. And he's called us to help them to make it right. In fact, there was, um, I was watching a video, another video this week. I watched a lot of videos this week. <laughs> I was watching another one, and it, this is actually a singer. Her name's Lauren Daigle, and she is in the United States. And she recently came out with a new album. And so she was actually invited to appear on the Ellen Show to perform one of her songs. They're like a Christian song. She's a Christian artist. Um, well, the Ellen Show is a talk show in America, and it's hosted by a woman named Ellen DeGeneres. And Ellen DeGeneres is openly gay. And so she invited this uh, Christian singer to come on to her show, perform her music, and she and she really uh, she really praised her. It was a big deal, and so it was a it was a really cool opportunity for Lauren Daigle. Well, there were some uh, Christians, people from the Christian community, 
who actually criticized her for going on to the show of a woman who is openly gay. And I love what Lauren Daigle said. She actually responded to the criticism in an interview on the radio. She said this, I think the second we start drawing lines around which people are able to be approached and which are not, we've already completely missed the heart of God. She said, I don't have all the answers in life, and I'm definitely not going to act like I do, but the one thing that I know for sure is I cannot choose who I'm supposed to be kind to and who I'm supposed to show love to and who I'm not. Because that's the mission, right? Be who Christ was to everyone. That is absolutely the mission. Listen, we cannot just choose who we love and who we don't. As Christians, we, we can't just say, hey, you know, yeah, you're welcome here, but you're not because you're different. We love you, but we don't love you. We like you, but we don't like you. We, we can't. That, that isn't what God's called us to do. How can Christians do that when the Bible says that God loves all people, regardless of where they come from or what they look like or what sin they struggle with? It doesn't matter. God loves all people, and he's called us to do the same. Now, before I close, we're going to close in just a minute, but I think that it's appropriate. I would really like to address anyone in this room today who... Maybe you do identify with that community. You consider yourself uh, lesbian, gay, bi, uh, transgender, or uh, even questioning. Maybe you're questioning. Maybe you, are, you have no idea why, but for some reason, you, you have these, these what seem like natural desires in you. For some reason, you, you just struggle with this thing. You, you have the, the tendency to like the same sex. If that's you, I, I just want to talk to you for just a moment. There's a couple of things I want to say. Number one, I want you to understand that, that we don't think any differently of you than we do of anyone else. We don't think you're weird. We don't think you're crazy. Uh, we don't think that you're, you're uh, somebody that is, is just so different than anyone else. We think you're just like us. You're just, you're just a person who happens to struggle with, with that thing. We, we have our own struggles too. Some of us have that struggle. Some of us have those things inside of us. So we don't think anything differently of you. But what I also want you to know is that that is not your identity. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. I, I want to tell you about when I was a, when I was a child I, um, I, I've, always been, I've always been super rebellious, actually. That, that's my thing. That's the thing that, you know, runs in my blood is, is I, I used to be super rebellious. Even as just a young child, I was, I was wild. And then when I got to be a teenager, it just got even worse. I, I just was really, really rebellious. In fact, anything anyone told me not to do, that's what I wanted to do. And not for any other reason except that you just told me not to do it. Because for some reason, there's something inside of me that just wants to be rebellious. It just wants to do everything that people tell me not to do. 
I don't want to listen to my parents. I don't want to listen to authority. For some reason, I don't know why, but I struggle because there's this thing inside of me that is so rebellious. And as a teenager, I just assumed, well, that just must be who I am. I'm just a rebellious person. I can't help it. It's just who I am. Listen, that was not my identity. What I discovered was that was, the, that was actually sin in my heart that had been there, that I had grown up with, this thing inside of me that caused me to want to be rebellious. The Bible actually talks about this. It says that all people are born sinners. Now, all of us have something different that, that we are more prone to struggle with, right? Mine happened to be rebellion. But what I had to understand was that that was not my identity. That might have been what I did and how I felt, but it's not who I am. What I discovered is that Jesus came to set me free from the things that I thought I was, and he came to show me who he created me to be, who I really am, so that I could be and do all that God called me to be and to do. So if you are here and you have something like that inside of you, and, and it looks like a desire to want to be with the same sex. Let me just tell you, that's not your identity. You're meant for more. You, you, you are somebody that God loves. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And he wants you to discover who you really are. And in fact, that's, that's the last thing that I, I kind of want to say is that is that what I'm telling you is no different than what I would tell anybody else, no matter what sin they struggle with in their life. In fact, our vision for you is no different than it is for anybody else in this room. Our vision for you is that, God, that you would know God, that you would find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your world. Why? Because we love you. We want to help you discover who God created you to be so that you can live the life he's called you to live. I'm going to ask someone from the band to come play. And, and I, I want to do something uh, together as a church this afternoon. Um, in fact, if you would, would you just go ahead and stand with me this morning? I want to close by giving us some time uh, to pray together. But this is what I want to do. I want you to do something specific. I think in light of what we're talking about today, that, that it's important uh, that, that all of us do this. I want you right now to think, and I want you to identify something in your life. Identify something in your heart some kind of thing that you know that you struggle with, some kind of, you know, sin that might be in your life. And I particularly want you to think about that thing in, in your life that, that for some reason you, you just keep going back to. You don't necessarily want to do that or, or be like that, but for some reason it just, it just seems natural to you. You just continue over and over. You just struggle with this one thing, man. All of us got one. All of us got something. I, in fact, I got several. <laughs> so, so I just want you right now, identify something in your heart. 
Identify something in your life that you know doesn't belong there. There's something in you that's robbing you of what God has for you. There's something in you that is not healthy, that is not good for you. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to take out all of the things in your life that could destroy you. And he wants to put all of the things into your life that he knows will empower you. Empower you to overcome whatever it is that you cannot seem to overcome. So, so, so what is it? I don't know what your thing might be. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's lust. For, for some reason, you just, ever since you could remember, you've, you've always just struggled so much with, with lust. Or, you know, maybe for you it's, maybe for you it's anger. For some reason, it's just really easy for you to get angry. And, and you end up, you end up uh, just treating your family harshly. You, you, just, you just begin yelling at people. You, you treat your kids harshly. You, you don't necessarily want to be that way. But for some reason, it's just, it's just in you, man. There's something inside of you that just causes you to be angry. Maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's laziness. Listen, laziness will rob you of God's purpose for your life. Laziness will keep you from doing what God has called you to do. That's sin. Maybe for you it's gossip. Ever since you can remember, probably high school, you, you just struggle, man. You, you just, for some reason, you're always thinking about what other people are doing and, 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 the, and how other people have gotten it wrong. And, and you just almost can't help it. You just want to talk to people and tell them, hey, that person is horrible. And, and you just cut people down. And for some reason, it's just inside of you. What is it? I love the scripture David wrote. He said, search me, oh God. Search me, God. And point out anything in my heart that offends you. And lead me on the path that leads to everlasting life. That's what I want us to do. Let's search our heart. Let's identify right now something in our heart, something in our life that we know is keeping us from what God has for us. And I want us to all together, as I'm praying, I want you to pray along with me. And we're going we're gonna to ask God to, to forgive us. We're also going to ask God to help us. If you would, just bow your head with me. Close your eyes. If you've identified whatever it is, then let's pray. Jesus, God, I'm so thankful this morning. I'm so thankful, Jesus, that, that you didn't come to make us feel bad about our sin. You came to help us get out of our sin. Jesus, I am so thankful that you love us enough to teach us and to show us, hey, this is going to destroy your life. You love us enough, God, to, 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 to get rid of all of the things inside of us that you know are meant to destroy our life. God, we've identified something in our own heart, in our own life. Lord, I, I pray that you would forgive us. But, but Jesus, 
not just for what we've done, but Jesus, forgive us for not, for not taking it more seriously. Jesus, forgive us for not trying and, and being intentional about, about getting whatever it is out of our hearts. God, for, forgive us for just letting us, for just letting it go on and on and on and, and never addressing it. Jesus, we want to address it right now. God, this is the thing that we know is robbing us of the life that you've called us to live. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us the grace to empower us. God, to, to give us the ability to do what you've called us to do, to give us the ability to overcome that sin. And Jesus, Lord, I know just because we're, we're praying this today doesn't mean we're not going to struggle tomorrow. We're going to struggle with it tomorrow. It's going to come. It's going to be there. It's inside of us. But Jesus, I just pray that you would help us every chance that we get. Teach us, Lord. Give us tools and, and resources. Help us to learn how to overcome that thing in our life. Help us to, to learn how to say no or, or maybe even how to say yes. Jesus, we want you to take anything that's in us that doesn't belong and make us whole. God, point out anything in us that doesn't belong, that's, that's killing us. God, that's robbing us of the life that you've called us to live. God, we pray that you would, would search our hearts, point it out, and help us, Jesus, to overcome it. God, we want to be what you've called us to be. We don't want anything to hold us back or to slow us down, Jesus. We want to be able to run our race in freedom, God. We love you today, Jesus. We honor you. We give you all the credit. We pray this in your name. Amen.